0: Every movie costs two thousand one hundred eighty-four dollars. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Backtracks Theme Music. My name is Corey Morissette, joined as always by John Mariano, uh, fresh off of his vacation, looking spry, looking happy. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fine. Have you seen Doug? Doug? Doug, like the dog, the the dog from Up.
1: No, no not that dog. My my, oh. my 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 buddy Doug. We went we went to Vegas together, and uh, I don't know. I, I don't remember most of the trip.
0: Oh, uh, that that's a, a side effect of roofies. Were you roofied?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I mean, um, Doug's future brother-in-law was there, and we did a toast, and then, uh, then we woke up, and, and the room was trashed.
0: And was there something about a wolf pack
1: yeah he was rambling on about, about be, 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 being uh um his wolf pack he was, used to be a wolf of one a lone wolf and now mm-hmm. his wolf pack is grown by two or whatever i don't know i don't do the math um
0: i hear you yeah no john is that a, is that a tiger in the background of your shot there
1: um there's a
0: tiger in my room Corey. That's not good. If Mike Tyson shows up, run away.
1: So so, so I don't have to be n- nervous that there's a tiger in my room. But if Mike Tyson shows up, run away.
0: Yeah, the, the tiger's fine. But if, if Iron Mike shows up, get the fuck out of there.
1: What happens if uh, a couple of police officers offer to get us off of the crime and we just have to t- help with a class with something?
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, as long as it's not like, you know, getting tasered repeatedly, I'd say go for it.
1: Okay, but what if they don't really give us an option? Let we just, let's either
0: do that or go to jail. Well, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, right? You've done worse things to stay out of jail, haven't you? <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right, folks, uh, we're going to talk about a movie John has forgotten called The Hangover. Uh, released in what, nine, or 2000, I almost said 19, no, 2009, uh, directed by by Todd Phillips. Uh, starring Bradley Cooper, Ed Helm, Zach Galifianakis, uh, Heather Graham, Jeffrey Tambor, uh, Justin Bartha, and a host of others. Um, I, I tell you, I was talking to John. I'm like, oh, do we, we should do a theme music this week. What are you in the mood for? Then just bang immediately, in the air tonight, The Hangover. Done. Slam dunk.
1: I, I want to do something where we don't have to do any research, Corey. And I feel like based on, based on that slight recap we gave at the top of the show, we're in pretty good shape on this one.
0: Yeah, we, we, we remember all the big bullet points anyway uh, from The Hangover. This was a pretty big hit uh, way back when in 2009, uh, grossing almost $500 million worldwide. Uh, kind of helped uh, usher back the R-rated comedy. Uh, you know, it had kind of fallen out of favor uh, around this time and, uh, you know, made stars out of Zach Galifianakis and uh, Bradley Cooper.
1: Yeah, and can we talk about Todd Phillips from minute? Because Todd Phillips quietly has become one of the better um, – comedic directors of the, of the last 20 years you know going on 25 years at this point but you know starting off with 2000's Road Trip Road Trip old school Starsky and Hutch um, he, he then did that school for Scoundrels which I would argue is probably his first stumble mm-hmm. um, he wrote the story for Borat mm-hmm. right then The Hangover Duty with uh, Zach Galifianakis and, and Robert Downey Jr. Then, then, uh, the Hangovers Part Two and Three, War Dogs, then Love It or Hate It. You know, it was definitely a success with Joker, and now he has Joker, Folly Adu, or whatever they're calling it for for Joker, Joker Part Two. So Mm -hmm. he he's had quite the career that he's put together quietly.
0: Uh, pretty eclectic, like you said. Uh, from 2000 on, you're talking about some some classic films here with Road Trip, old school. Uh, Starsky and Hutch uh, wasn't so great, but it had that great moment uh, with uh, Ben Stiller. Uh, in, in his, I can't remember what what character he was playing, but what did he do say, John? It. Do, do it, do it, do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, Which I don't is, remember if he was Starsky or Hutch. He was one of those two, though.
0: Yeah. I'll just everyone remembers do it, and it's a popular meme uh, to this day. You know, almost twenty years later.
1: No, and that's why I gave it credit for being somewhat of a success. Yeah, um, is that the movie where Will Ferrell cameos and he's like Ma, the Meatloaf, or is that a different one?
0: That's a different one. Yeah, that was Wedding Crashers. Ah, my, b- yeah. my bad. <laughs> but he did do old school uh, with Will Ferrell. Uh, which has uh, a Dan Band song uh, we could probably cover on this show and talk about uh, old school, uh, a great comedy from 2003.
1: Yeah, the only way that we wouldn't do that, th- th- there's a couple other songs on that soundtrack, it's not the only problem.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, how do you not do Kansas, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, Dust in the Wind, uh, yeah, j- j- yeah. just from the You're My Boy Blue scene alone.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dust in the Wind and yeah, Wait Snake, Here I Go Again on that soundtrack as well. So,
0: yeah. Oh, man, that's yeah, this be a tough, tough one. one. Yeah, you know, I maybe mean? we do that movie. We do three songs that night. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I can think of worse things in the world.
0: There you go. Uh, but tonight we're talking the Hangover. Uh, have you been to Las Vegas, John? I have. I have. I've been there uh, twice. I've Are also been court? there twice. Yeah. and actually, last time I was there, we got ourselves a, a hangover fridge magnet that you get in all the touristy places. They have a bunch of hangover, uh, merch. Even this is what, when was the last time was there, 2018. So, you know, five years ago they were still kind of touting, uh, the hangover.
1: Yeah. I was there. I, I want to say it was there in 2017 was my last time. Um, I was there 2017. I, I was there in uh, 2011 and I, I love the place i was just talking to my kids because my kids were like what's so great about a place that only has casinos i'm like the casinos and the gambling are only the beginning of why vegas is fun you know yeah, you, and, and i think this movie covers a lot of why vegas is fun
0: yeah the wife and i were not even big uh, drinkers or big gamblers but we had a blast in vegas like we, we we checked we checked out as many shows as we could went and saw Penn and teller uh I couldn't see Carrot Top. He was dark at that time. But We saw David Copperfield had meet and greets for that. Went and saw Cirque du Soleil and and just had a blast, even just walking up and down the strip and and seeing all the sights. And the food is incredible everywhere you go. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I don't know. There was this great little Italian bistro in the Venetian. Uh, where all the gentlemen, like the waiters and the maitre d's and stuff, wore like the, the nice classic suits. And, you know, us tourists walk in, in like shirts and you know, in, uh, T-shirts and shorts uh, to have just some of the best Italian food I've ever had. It was amazing.
1: I had one of the most asinine Bloody Marys I've ever seen. Uh, 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 um, what do you call it? The, the Paris, the Paris Okay. it's called. Yep. Right? The one, the one with the big balloon out in the Eiffel Tower outside. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I... I the, the the bacon was about a quarter inch thick, Corey. In the nice. margarita, right in the margarita, not the margarita, in the in the Bloody Mary, it was it, it was a quarter inch thick. It was asinine.
0: Oh wow, they had one. Uh, I can't remember which casino we're in. I think it was in the Mandalay Bay, but they had an ice bar. So it's one of those places that's like covered wall to wall in ice. And all your drinks are obviously you're getting vodka there and it's chilled and stuff. But one of those niche places where you got to go in and put on a parka because it's freezing in there They keep everything, you know, zero temperature to, to so the ice doesn't melt. Thought that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm trying to see if I can bring up this Bloody Mary to t- even tell you what's in it. <laughs> because I think I had to order it without shrimp, right? There was like a piece of shrimp on it. There was, so, so instead of a, a, in a shrimp, margarita. Yeah, no a margarita and a bloody Mary
0: called Bloody Mary. And is yeah. there normally bacon in a bloody Mary? I'm not a big bloody berry drinker,
1: I don't know. But, but, but they replaced the shrimp for me with, with a chicken finger, which was incredible. <laughs> it was just like it was like it was like meat and bloody alcohol. And I'm like, yes, whatever this is, more of this, please, in the morning. <laughs>
0: Oh, wow. I, I got to put that on, on my bucket list next time I go there. All, all I remember is, uh, food-wise, I had the best cheeseburger of my life at the House of Blues uh, in the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, Nevada. I even told the poor waitress, like, you're doing the Lord's work here, my lady, because this is the best fucking cheeseburger a fat man's ever eaten. Huh.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a special place for food. It's a special place for, for events. Um, I, 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 I couldn't recommend it more.
0: Yep. I went there for UFC 194. Conor McGregor was fighting uh, Jose Aldo for the uh, for the belt in that event. And the whole town was just overrun with with really skinny Irish guys. Well, that's fun. <laughs> it's very <laughs> But fun. Uh, we're, we're talking. Oh, it was very fun. Uh, l- let's talk a little bit about The Hangover. Uh, your, your typical comedy plot in that, uh, you know, Doug is going to go off and get married, so his buddies are going to take him. Uh, His two buddies and uh, his uh, uh, soon-to-be brother-in-law take him on a little trip to Las Vegas. Uh, Said brother-in-law, played by Zach Galifianakis, uh, acquires some roofies. Roofies all their drinks so they could have a good time, and they wake up the next day, can't find Doug. There's a tiger in their room. Uh, One of them, Ed Helms, is missing a tooth um there's a baby like just everything you can think of that and they're like what the fuck happened they don't remember a single thing and hilarity ensues from there uh what did you think of this cast like i said uh, bradley cooper i don't think was a very big star at this point zach galifianakis Galifianakis certainly wasn't Uh, ed helms was from the office i thought he was kind of the biggest name uh out out of the trio here but i I really thought they they gelled nicely
1: oh they they gelled really nice um I was only familiar with Bradley Cooper because um, in my town, Wet Hot American Summer was a pretty big deal, and finding that at Blockbuster was a really big deal. So, I recognized him from that, um, which I don't think many people had seen at that point. Like it became, it becomes a cult classic, but I, I don't know when it exactly it became a cult classic. And I just I remember like being excited and my friends not knowing what I was talking about that this guy from this movie that nobody had seen was in this movie. Um, Ed Helms annoyed me on like not in this movie I really enjoyed him in this movie, but on The Office he he really annoyed me. So I I was like I'll go see this movie in spite of him because it looks like it'll be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't familiar with Zach Galifianakis at all. Um, the biggest name for me was probably Heather Graham um which she wasn't really advertised to be in the movie so when I saw her I'm like oh there's somebody I recognize
0: yeah and that part was uh, originally supposed to go to uh Lindsay Lohan but oh, uh, she it? wouldn't do it so yeah so Heather Graham uh, benefited and she did a great job i thought
1: no, she did a great job um yeah yeah and just to put some names to the faces of who Corey's talking about Ed Helms plays Stu Stu's a dentist who um the, the movie plays off like um a murder mystery, right? It has all the tropes of like, take the glass out, onion, or, or take t- take any of these murder mystery kind of movies. It's the same framework. It's just that nobody's dead, they might be dead. We're looking for Doug, and we don't know where Doug is. And nobody remembers the night before. Um, and there's enough pointing to he may be dead. At Ed Helms plays Stu. Stu rips his own tooth out over the course of the night. He's trying to figure out why, how his tooth, um, how he lost his tooth. Um, Bradley Cooper plays Phil. Phil, and you lose track of this because Phil is like I, I call it the Adrian Zemed character from Bachelor Party. He is he he is he is the cool maniac who who is going to make sure your lead gets into all the trouble in the world, right? And and, and what's crazy is you forget till the very end t- till Doug's wedding. You forget he's married with children. And he's probably the most far along in his life of any of these characters. Um and, and, and then you and then you have Zach Galifianakis as Alan. And Alan's Alan's a special breed. Um there there is a hug early on in the movie. Um Doug and Alan are getting fitted for their tuxes. And Alan is Alan Alan's wearing a jock strap in that scene. For his underwear he's not wearing actual underwear he's wearing a jock strap and the crack of his ass is just hanging out and he hugs doug in one of the most uncomfortable movie hugs i've ever seen <laughs> and he names the baby carlos
0: yes <laughs> an absolute uh a comedy classic uh from 2009 it actually won the golden globe Uh, for best motion motion picture, musical, or comedy, and uh, held the record for the highest-grossing R-rated comedy ever in the United States, uh, surpassing the record previously held by Beverly Hills Cop for almost 25 years. Uh, I don't think it it currently holds that that title, but um, at the time, that was pretty impressive because Beverly Hills Cop, if you remember back in 85, my friend, that was a massive, massive movie.
1: Yeah. My question for you, I remember Beverly Hills Cop, it's still one of my favorite movies. I think I enjoy this one more though. Um, as far as laugh out loud moments. My question for you is this movie has a lot of them. What which one is your favorite? You get to pick one.
0: Well, the one <laughs> my my favorite is probably in the scene for the movie we're or the song we're talking about here tonight, uh, which is in the air tonight, Phil Collins' first big solo hit from his uh, first solo album, Face Value, and where uh They end up with a tiger in their room, and they kind of leave their room to kind of, you know, try and find Doug and try and piece together what happened the night before. Tiger's still in the room. Uh, they, they, They show up close to the end of the movie, and all of a sudden, Iron Mike Tyson's in their room, and he's listening to In the Air Tonight. And he tells them all to shut up so we can do the eardrum part that everybody loves so much from In the Air tonight. And then he, he's singing and he's dancing. The guys are all kind of loose. And out of nowhere, he just cold cocks Allen with one of the biggest you know right crosses I've ever seen. And he just flops. And I, I just remember the whole theater just losing it over that.
1: that. That moment is one of my favorite moments in the movie. It pales in comparison, though, from my personal favorite, as far as how much it makes me laugh every single time I see it. And this scene was so powerful; it launched a career, right? And I'm talking about the 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 um, incomparable Ken Jeong, who (laughs) who leaps naked out of a trunk and attacks all the main cast members as Chow, right? And and and, um, is, is it Mr. Chow or is it Chow? I think and, it's just and, Chow, and and, and and beats him with a crowbar while he's naked, and then runs sprints away with just his ass hanging out. And this scene was so great that he has now had a career. For when when did this movie come out, Corey? Two
0: thousand nine.
1: So two thousand nine. So he's Doctor Ken, right? Like he, he was a doctor, and and he has pivoted his career into this great comedic career for almost the last 15 years. Um, That's crazy.
0: And uh, uh, Leslie Chow plays a much bigger part in The Hangover's Part 2 and Part 3 were definitely not as good. Uh, I think I've only ever seen those movies once each. Uh, They they really kind of pale in comparison to this one.
1: No, but the impact his character makes in this movie alone is incredible. And... and (laughs) You, you know, is a major part because you find out there there there's another Doug. Um they, they do an exchange and, and the guy who sold the Roofies is also named Doug. And and Zach Alfadakis keeps calling him Black Doug. And he's like, why can't I just be Doug and that guy be White Doug? Um there's like so many and and who is it? Mike is it is that Mike Epps playing play, play, play Doug?
0: Oh geez, I'm not sure. We have to look at, actually it is Mike Epps as Black <laughs> Doug.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Mike, Mike Epps, a, a great comedian in his own right, um, has a smaller part in this movie, but, but another impactful part. Um, th- there's just so much good going on in this. The whole, and the whole movie, one of the gags is that they borrow the dad's car. They borrow Jeffrey Kittam's pride and joy. And you keep waiting for it to be demolished, right? It gets impounded you, you know, you know the police station. You're like, oh, oh, it's gonna have graffiti all over it, and the it's it's playing it's playing on your expectations the entire time. And then they tranquilize the the or they roofie the tiger to return the tiger to Mike Tyson's house.
0: <laughs>
1: and in in the tunnel driving to Tyson's house, um, the tiger wakes up inside the car, <laughs> and then they have to push the car and pour Zach Galifianakis. Has to steer the car with this vicious tiger in the backseat. <clears throat> yeah, you might be right. That might be the funniest bit. Like the, everything with the tiger and Mike Tyson.
0: <laughs> uh, speaking of launching a career, uh, a young Rob Riggle, uh, also in this film, is one of the officers that uh, uh, does the taser demonstration uh, on our protagonists.
1: Yeah, and and, and you know, Ken John gets a lot of credit for pivoting his career from a doctor to a comedian. Rob Riggle was a Marine. Rob Riggle served and, and, and has gone on for quite the career as a comedian and also a host. He, he does that golf show. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Holy moly. Yep.
1: <clears throat> um, he was in 20, 21 jump street. He had this dick shot off in that movie. Um, we'll definitely cover that at some point. But, um, Yeah, no, no. Like this movie launched careers and this, this movie I think is a mainstay as a comedy. I just recently watched it while I was away and I got to say it holds up, Corey.
0: Nope. I absolutely agree. And speaking of holding up, how about Phil Collins? Let's talk about him for a hot minute. Uh, I just started doing a podcast with Kevin Brown uh, on the Phil Collins era of Genesis. And we're going through all the Genesis records and, uh, you know this uh, his album face value came at a kind of a, a rough time for him because his marriage was was on the rocks uh, he moved to canada um his wife wasn't happy that he was on the that a tour with genesis instead of being at home and so a lot of this album uh came from uh his uh, frustrations uh, going through uh, his his marriage and ultimately his divorce uh to point, this song really kind of a dark song but phil collins is even quoted as saying he doesn't even know what it's about just that it's uh it it's very negative and there's a lot of emotion kind of pouring through it but uh lyrically not really about anything but you know the first line of the of the song is um well if you told me you were drowning i would not lend a hand like uh, he's he's definitely in a dark place when he writes this tune
1: no and what 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 i like about it is it's it's, it's almost about something some something the doom on the horizon is always how i've taken this song right like like, like it's not here yet it's in the air tonight. It's, it, it, it's, it's like the next thing coming. It's funny because normally we sit there and we talk about songs and their themes and how they line up with the movie. And I guess to a degree the, the the doom does line up because they had a night of doom, but in the, in the end, everything's okay. And it's like a feel good movie. It's kind of a feel good song overall. Most people enjoy this song. So maybe they, they are similar in that aspect. But I think overall, it's it's, it's more of a um, it's more of a cross section where it's like you have two things that that aren't exactly the same. They're almost the opposite in a lot of ways, and it works. And that's why I think it works so well. And Mike Tyson jamming out to this is something some some something everyone needs to, to experience in their life.
0: It really is. Uh, We'll talk more about Phil in in Genesis uh, and the writing of this tune and kind of its legacy a little bit later. Uh, What do you say we start listening to it? This is In the Air Tonight uh, from 1981's Face Value. So that uh, uh, drum machine pattern, uh, very, very famous now. Uh, Phil Collins had uh, said that uh, he obtained the drum machine specifically to deal with personal issues relating to his divorce uh, through songwriting. Uh, he just had all this music inside of him. He just had to start writing it to get it out. And he improvised the lyrics uh, during a session one day. He was just fooling around. Uh, kind of got the the pattern how he liked it got the chords how he liked it and just started spewing out the lyrics and uh what what's the exact quote uh, he's uh, i'm quite proud of the fact that I sang 999 percent of those lyrics spontaneously
1: look i think I think part of the reason why why this song stands the test of time is it clearly comes from his heart um you know he he, he, he was he was in the moment. Uh, And he he was in a dark place, and this is him exercising the demons out, and whatever it took to get there, including the drum machine, he used all, all the tools at his disposal.
0: I love that guitar and how it just kind of cuts through uh, the the, the drum machine. And uh, obviously he's got a vocal effect on his vocal there, but just a very haunting uh, vocal. Phil Collins, I don't think gets enough credit A as a drummer and B as a singer.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, 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 the production on this song, I would argue stands up against the production on any other song. Um, the, just, just the production value and what they're layering and what they're doing, the effect on his voice, later on we're going to hear quite possibly the greatest drum drum fill of all time definitely one of the most iconic
0: yep uh, even Ozzy Osbourne called it the, the greatest drum fill uh, ever and he he's not wrong well,
1: You know, there's a lot of urban legends that, that that go around about about these lyrics, and that Phil Collins probably saw our man drown because it seems so personal. Mm-hmm. Having been through a divorce, I can relate to a lot of what he's singing here, and it's really about the loss of friendship, and it's really about the loss of somebody that you've cared for, and and and, and almost feeling betrayed by them. And it's it's it's. You know, him, it feels to me, and I, I'm putting my own spin on this because I've, of what I've been through, but it, it's it seems to me that he is trying to work through the feelings of, you know, when we hear about divorce, we think about the loss of a marriage, but anybody who's been involved in a marriage can tell you if, if the marriage, you know, is going well, or if, if, if you're marrying who you intended, you're marrying your best friend and, um, as much as when you get on the other side of it, you know you, there's a lot of the infighting and everything else. One of the big things I still mourn to this day is the loss of my friend, right? And it's not that she's dead, you know. She she has chosen to live a life on her own without me, and and she's moved on, and I've moved on, and yada yada yada. But the lyric lyrically, I can relate to a lot of what he's singing. Like, I, if I saw you drowning, I wouldn't extend a hand. He doesn't mean that literally but he does mean that like, God, you've hurt me really bad. Mm
0: -hmm. And uh, it's so uh, crazy to me that he wrote all these pretty much spontaneously because that's all, that's what he was feeling. Like Uh, I'm fortunate that my marriage uh, hasn't ended. Uh, So I I can only uh, empathize that, you know, that would really dominate, you know, your your thoughts and your feelings for a good long while. So uh, I totally get how you can uh, definitely relate to these lyrics and how they could speak to you because that's, uh, it was such a pivotal moment in Philip Collins's life. Like this entire album, uh, Face Value, is pretty much about his divorce. Uh, the two songs he left off this album for the Genesis record, Duke. Uh, one of them, well one's called "Misunderstanding." The other one is called "Please Don't Ask." It's a very dark song about the the end of a marriage. Like, please don't ask me. I'm fine. Uh, sure, I cry all the time, but I'm fine. Like it's a it's a very you know he hurts uh, in that song quite a bit, and it bleeds over into this uh, this record here. And the first the single from Face Value, which is in the air tonight. Right, we're coming up to the big moment uh, before we get there though I want to talk a little bit about Genesis because uh, Phil Collins uh, was in the band Genesis uh, around this time uh, you know they just finished uh, their album and then there were three Steve Hackett had left the band um, and they were getting ready uh, for the Duke sessions uh, where the band was kind of coming back together after the and then there were three uh, tour and uh, Phil Collins uh, swears up and down that he presented in the air tonight to Mike Rutherford and uh, Tony Banks uh, to use on the album and uh, they both uh, said no, feeling that uh, it was too simple for the group. Now, Tony Banks uh, completely denies this and says he he never heard the composition. If he had, he would have requested that it be on the next Genesis record. Um, so they they still are at odds about that to this day, where Phil Collins is like, I, I offered you this song, and you said no, and Tony Banks said, nope, never did. Otherwise, I would have taken it. Uh, I'm, I'm team Phil on this one. I think Tony Banks is a little bit of a pompous shit uh, listening to my uh, Genesis show right now, but... Um, if you're Tony Banks, like he's, he's a prog rock guy, he likes long compositions, boring, pretentious music. But still, how do you turn this down?
1: So so so, I think I think in hindsight, it's easy to sit there and kick yourself for turning the song down. But compositionally, right? And even even you know when content-wise, what's the song about? You like it's dark, um, and and it's atmospheric. But he wouldn't have pitched this with the drum, Phil. He wouldn't have pitched this with the production, right? There are pieces that make this song what it is. I don't think it would have turned into what it became if it were a Genesis song. And that might be an unpopular opinion. But I think it being a Phil Collins song and Phil really having the reins over this, help it become what, what it is. Because I think there would have been more guitar fills. It would have been. There just would have been more of stuff that don't need to be there. The the way the guitar cuts through the drums right now, like you pointed out earlier, um, builds an atmosphere and an anticipation throughout this song that I don't know it, that Genesis would have had the patience to create.
0: It's interesting you say that because on the demo, Phil even admits there was no drums on it. It was just drum machine all the way through. So if he played it for Tony Banks, it wouldn't have had that iconic drum fill in it. It just would have been drum machine. It would have lost a lot of its a lot of its power in that moment, right?
1: That's exactly what I think. And it's like if I heard this song as a producer without that drum fill, I don't know that I would have the vision that this would be the hit it became.
0: Nope, that's a very good point. Now, let's all pretend we're Mike Tyson. We're sitting at a piano in a suite in Las Vegas uh, telling a few drunks to shut up so we can listen to his favourite part. One of my favorite uh, moments in music history, period.
1: If if eruption makes you play air guitar, right? In the air tonight is the reason why you play air drums.
0: Amen. (laughs) That is absolutely true. Wow, what a moment. I just, oh, God. Fantastic. I can see why Mike Tyson loved it so much.
1: Do, Do you not get chills and goosebumps as you're getting to that moment? Every single
0: time, every single time I'm going to be 49 years old. And I still every single time. Absolutely. One hundred percent. We had another really cool fill in there, too, and I know when, whenever Phil Collins did this song live, uh, he toured with Chester Thompson, who was the touring drummer for Genesis, and Phil always had a kit set up, too, but um, he always had the headset mic on for this, and then him and, and Chester w- would play dual drums uh, to this, so they always added a couple little extra fills uh, during this section here, and it, it was always just so cool. Like If you're a drummer at heart, uh, kind of like I am, I have no talent, but a drummer at heart, th- th- this is one of the greatest songs ever written.
1: I think, even if you're not the drummer at heart, this is one of the greatest songs ever written. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, it works out well because we're talking about a great movie, one of the great all time comedies of all time. And we're talking about one of the great all time songs of all time. And I don't think that either one gets talked about enough. I think a lot of people do like top 10 lists and whatever. And both of these things, for multiple reasons, will get left off of top 10 lists. And and it doesn't mean they're both not great independently of each other. And then the fact that both of them are tied together in history because of this movie and this scene, I think is a, a punctuation mark on how
0: great they are. I tell you, it's. Uh, I'm just looking at some of the lists uh, that, that this song is on. Uh, 20, in 2006, the song was ranked number 35 on VH1's 100 Greatest Songs of the 80s. In uh, 2021, it was listed at number 291 in Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. Um, one of the most uh, melodic drum breaks in history. It's one of the 101 Greatest Drumming Moments. Uh, reached number 19 on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, and it was going to go higher, actually, but, uh, you know, it was, it was ascending uh, quite rapidly. But then uh, Mark David Chapman shot John Lennon, and uh, John Lennon's song, Women, uh, hit to number one and kind of kept uh, in the air tonight. Uh, from from the top spot, but in the air tonight has, has taken its spot. I think is one of those legendary songs that uh, you know really kind of set the standard for uh, pop rock music in the '80s.
1: Yeah, and look, look the the death of and the Beatles, the death of, of John Lennon, um, resonated w- w- with generations. Um, so, so for that to be the moment and the reason why this song this song was um, stalled. Is more than understandable um I, I mean I mean I, I don't want to gloss over that iconic moment in history and iconic for all the wrong reasons um you, you know we, we will definitely do shows where we celebrate John Lennon on on this show um t- tonight's about Phil Collins though and look you know Phil Co- Phil Collins doesn't get enough of his due right from 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 Great Disney soundtracks with doing the Tarzan soundtrack. Um you know, his his career in Genesis, his solo career. Um, he, he he's accomplished a lot in life. And and I don't know that we recognize him for the voice and for for the power behind the drums that he that he is, right? Um I'm glad we we're able to celebrate him tonight.
0: Oh, me too. Me too. And it's funny because in about an hour, I'm going to go tape a Genesis show uh, with Kevin Brown and I get to talk about Phil Collins a little more on that. So if you want to hear more Phil Collins talk, uh, check out the Ultimate Catalog Clash Season 1. We're talking about uh, Phil Collins' era Genesis. Before we get to the fade out, John, this song featured prominently in two other uh, properties, one a movie, one a TV show. Can you name them?
1: I can definitely name the movie.
0: Okay.
1: Because I believe Rebecca du Mornay has sex with Tom Cruise on a train to this song in Risky that's right. Business.
0: That's right. Uh, it was. Uh, that's correct. Uh, any guesses on the TV show? Can you give me a decade? Oh, 80s. 1984 is the year 1984
1: tv show or tv movie
0: yep tv TV show this song featured in the first episode of bosom buddies what if i said crockett and tubbs
1: miami vice i should have gotten that
0: (laughs) i'm kicking myself that makes so much sense yeah when you said i got one of them i thought for sure you had miami vice
1: no, I I re- I, re- I really should have we we, we not not I I even called the scene from Risky Business.
0: Yep. Yep, 100%. That was great. I haven't seen Risky Business since probably 1984. So, well, I'm really well, impressed you got that one.
1: Well, we we are at some point going to cover that movie because there's some great scenes in it. Um Joey Pantoliano has has a great character in that. Um Bronson Pinchot, I believe, shows up in that. Um so so we 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 have a lot to talk about there about Fabergé Egg, and but we'll be covering a different song, which is why we use this movie for this song. We did forego covering the Dan Band tonight, though, which we're going to have to figure out how we're going to do them at some point.
0: What song did the Dan Band have in The Hangover? Didn't they play at the wedding in this one, too? Oh, They very well could have. I just just don't remember what song it was.
1: I don't remember which song. I think it was one of their original songs, but I believe... They, they do play in it. The, the damn band, for anybody who, do, who doesn't know, is a band who in, interjects the word fucking into their songs over and over again, their, their covers. Um, and, and it's great because um, Dan, Dan, I think it's Dan Finnerty, um is the lead singer. And he he sings in these movies, The Star, Starsky and the Hutch, Hangover, Old School, and very inappropriately will, will drop the word fucking in During these scenes and it's hysterical
0: Now I I found the scene in question Do we want to listen to the fade out of In the Air Tonight And then play this or play this first
1: Oh you know what we're here Right now let's, let's do this And then we'll fade out with In the Air Tonight this way it's part of the show
0: All right. here's a little bit of the hangover from the Wedding scene and the Dan Band Yeah Uh huh
1: Get to the candy shop i let you lick the lollipop go ahead girl don't you stop keep on going till you hit the spot oh you can have it your way <clears throat> how do you want it gonna back that thing up or should i push up on it break it down for you now baby he's singing to all the elderly couples at this I'm wedding in case anybody is familiar with the scene doctor your
0: friends teasing me about a sprung- and then he had to he he had to flip flip off the uh, the old man that was with the old lady too. Yes. A, a little bit of the magic of the Dan Band, ladies and gentlemen. We're definitely doing Total Eclipse at the heart uh, when we do uh, old school.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think this locks it up. As much as I would like, love to do Dust in the Wind, and here I go again. I I I don't think we
0: have an option there. No, no, our hands are tied, folks. Unless we do more than one song, which I don't know. I could be talked into. <laughs> All right, let's finish off in the air tonight. Oh, he sings with just such raw emotion here. Uh, On the earlier Genesis records, uh, he was so restrained, uh, like on uh, "Wind and Withering" and "Trick of the Tail." I'm so glad he found his voice around this time in the early '80s on Duke and on his record here, face value, because he he kills that part.
1: Uh, He he completely crushes, and and I don't don't know, Corey. Like I know we go do a lot of like hard rock songs, and, and that seems to be the vibe we go for. But wow, I am so thrilled we, we we went this route tonight.
0: Oh, me too. Me too. This is one of my favorite songs of all time from one of my favorite artists of all time. And uh, a really, really great movie. I haven't seen this movie in a long time. But I think after I hop off the call, I might pop it in uh, the old DVD player and give it a spin.
1: Yeah, I, I, I couldn't recommend the movie more. If you if you want to laugh your ass off, this is the movie that knew it. Um, we've covered a lot of the great scenes, but that doesn't mean that we've spoiled any of them because you can certainly watch this movie back a hundred times over and still laugh at it.
0: That's right. We're going to finish off uh, with the infamous uh, Mike Tyson scene from the hangover. But uh, before we get there, John, uh, well, you got anything else uh, coming up? You want to tell the people about? No, I don't. I don't do anything else. This is all I do now. I've, I guess. Yeah. uh,
1: Yeah. I I, I was, uh, I, I was doing a show with you. I was doing a wonderful Aerosmith show. You were carrying the torch, with Scott Haskin and you guys are doing a fabulous job. I tuned in and I, I listened to to um the first episode after my retirement and you guys did an incredible job with it.
0: Well, thank you very much. Your your presence is, is definitely missed, uh, but but we're we're happy to to soldier on. I'm just glad I still get to see you once a week to talk about music and movies, which are two of my favorite things. And if uh, you want to uh, check out some of our cohorts as part of the Deep Dive Podcast Network, go to deepdivepodcastnetwork.com. Check out all the shows there. There's some really, really good ones. But uh, f- until next time, on behalf of John Mariano, my name is Corey Morrison. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you next time on Backtrack's Theme Music. Wait,
1: guys, guys. What about the tiger? What have you got it out? Oh, Fuck. I keep forgetting about the goddamn tiger. How the fuck did it get in there? I don't know, because I don't remember. Shh,
0: Stu. Stu, you it It's one of the uh, side effects of uh, Rufi's memory loss. You were literally too stupid to insult.
1: Thank you. Hi. Hey, come on. we need a musical? Hey! Shh! Don't make any sudden moves.
0: <laughs> who the hell are you? No, oh, who the hell are you? Quiet, quiet!
1: Mike Tyson? Shh! This is my favorite part coming up right now. First one, guy. Oh Lord. But I've been waiting for this moment for all my life. One more time, guys. Oh, oh Lord. Oh, jeez! Oh! Oh! Why did
0: you do that? Mr. Tyson would like to know, why is this tiger in your bathroom?
1: Hold on, hold on. That was completely unnecessary. I'm a huge fan. When you knocked out Holmes, that Explain. was... Explain. Look, we were drugged last night. We have no memory of what happened.